0: Dear church family, I don't need to tell you tonight that the world and the church are hurting. There's lots of confusion, as there always is when man departs from the Word of God. And never before has there been such a day as ours when so many have needed counseling in so many areas... Of their lives. Beautifully, Isaiah tells us that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He has all wisdom and power and grace also to make his counseling effective and effectual. Those of us who Try to give biblical counsel. Do just that. We, we try. And maybe what we're saying is the truth, but we don't have the power to change the hearts of our counselees. But Jesus does. He's the wonderful counselor. Someone put it rather quaintly this way, that there was a man who fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. Needed help. A Christian scientist came along and said, well, you only think you're in a pit. The Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall into a pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve the pit. Charismatic said, just confess you're not in a pit. A social gospel pastor came by and said, we brought you some food and clothing while you're in the pit. A Hyper-Calvinist said, you're not in there by accident, you know. An optimist said, things will get better. Pessimist said, things will get worse. Jesus came along and grabbed the man's hand and pulled him out of the pit. I want to show you tonight that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. The text is simply this. Isaiah 9, verse 6, just just a little part of it. Unto us a Son is given, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We'll look at four thoughts under this theme, Jesus, our Wonderful Counselor. First, a given and word-based counselor. Second, a listening and all-knowing counselor. Third, a teaching and exemplary counselor. And fourth, a sympathetic and successful counselor counselor, given word-based counselor, listening all-knowing counselor, teaching exemplary counselor, sympathetic successful counselor. Someone has once said that life is like a scrambled egg. You can't unscramble a scrambled egg. And that's a A fairly good description of what we experience so often in life. We say to ourselves, if only I knew then what I know now. If only I had not said what I said then. If only I'd asked for advice. If only. But it's too late. Happily, happily. Jesus, however, never has to say that. He's the perfect one. He never had to go back and say, I wish I could change any of my actions. He never had to say, as one 19th writer said, 19th century writer, if life had a second edition, how I would correct the proofs of the first edition. We don't have a second edition. We have one life to live. We have one soul to gain. It is appointed to all men once to die. And after that, the judgment, how important to get matters right in this life. This morning I preached in my own church on the text, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You see, losing your soul can be described as a process. You and I are not only lost in Adam in our state, before god but daily as we live out our lives in this fallen world with fallen souls we go on losing our soul and if we don't repent and believe the gospel and trust in christ alone we will keep on losing our soul forever and so the question is this to whom do we look for counsel where do we go for help In this life? Where do we turn for the decisions and demands of life in this world? Where do we turn for the eternal well being of our soul? Well, happily, and I trust you know this, Isaiah tells us where to turn. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Well, the Bible tells us a lot about this counselor. Our text tells us, first of all, he's a given counselor. A given counselor. A child is born. And the son is given. This is not just repetition. Not only is Jesus born, but he's given. He's given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the beauty of the Advent Son. What a, what a wonderful thing this is. That He's a given Savior. He's not an acquired Savior. He's not something that you get because you've worked up a, a righteousness that deserves it. The child who is born in the manger is the Son of God, the Son of Man, who is given to sinners just like us. Well, often when you're in a deep problem and you, you can't find your way out of it, it helps, doesn't it? When someone who's not involved in your problem, someone comes from the outside, someone comes to offer you counsel. But what our text is saying to us tonight is that Jesus is the best counselor ever. He doesn't just come from outside of us, but He comes from above He comes with power. He's the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. This one is given to be our wonderful Counselor. Given through the womb of the Virgin Mary to be a perfect human, a perfect God-man, to be the perfect Counselor. Now, there are many places we could go in the Bible to see his counseling, his word-based counseling. Uh, you can see it in his treatment of Nicodemus in, in uh, John 3, how he saved Nicodemus, as it were, from his own lostness, and told him, I am the only one who can do this for you. You must be born again. Jesus alone. Can give us the counsel we need and be the counselor we need, but also be the answer (laughs) to the counseling we need. He's everything. All our problems, all our needs call us to fly to Him as this wonderful Savior, Lord, Redeemer, Intercessor, Counselor, who meets all our needs as prophet, as priest as king. This is what the world needs. This is what our nation needs. This is what your family needs. This is what our own souls need. We need this wonderful counselor. It's amazing what we can do in the 21st century, isn't it? We can split the atom. We can fly to the moon, but we can scarcely live together in America. There's enmity. There's fake news, there's lies on all sides, there's anger that abounds in our country at this very moment. Science cannot provide the answer. Psychologists and sociologists and educationalists and environmentalists, politicians, none of them have the answer to our human predicaments. As fallen sons and daughters of Adam in open rebellion against God and His Word Education itself is not the answer, though many claim it to be so. Only Christ is the answer. He's the wonderful counselor. Education without religion, as is so evident in many of America's colleges and universities today, the vast bulk of them, in fact, will only result in glorifying sin in unbiblical forms of socialism and communism, or in everyone doing that which is right in his own eyes, as in the time of the judges. Education without religion will only result, as the Earl of Shaftesbury said already in 1850, in a race of clever devils. You see, you and I, in and of ourselves, we don't have the answers for our problems. Salvation real, abiding, eternal counsel comes from a higher source. It comes from Him whose name is wisdom. And it must flow to us. And we must hear Him and submit to Him and surrender to Him if we're ever going to be saved. Not just eternally saved in our soul, but live through this world wisely with Him as our counselor. And of course the hymn is Jesus, the word-based counselor. It's amazing that he's the living word, but when he counsels, he always counsels in accord with the written word. Have Have you ever noticed that? When Satan came and tempted him for 40 days, all three times, all three big rounds of temptation, he answers Satan, it is written, it is written, it is written. Interestingly, all three times from the book of Deuteronomy. He counsels from his own word. The Bible is still the best counseling book on the market. There's nothing like it. And when you get counseled through the Bible by the wonderful counselor, there is nothing better than that. And Jesus shows it also with the travelers to Emmaus, as we read. Luke 24 is a notable example of that. Verse 20 says, 27 says beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and 18 verses later we read this then open he their understanding verses 45 and 46 that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them thus it is written thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead So, Jesus teaches us something very important here from the Word of God. He's teaching us that our top priority in biblical counseling must be to glorify and please God, and that the best way to please God is to adhere to the Word of God. The Bible addresses nearly every problem of life, if not directly, at least in principle. And to be effective counselors, we must be like Jesus. We must know, we must meditate upon, we must memorize the Word of God. We have a professor in our seminary who says, well, the best counseling is just to say, read the Bible and get over it. Well, that's a little little crude, and he says it a bit as as a joke. But there's something true. Read the Bible and follow it. And trust this great counselor who's the ultimate author of it by His Holy Spirit and it will give you wisdom that the world can never give you. Jesus is a given counselor but He's always a word-based counselor. That's why it's so dangerous to go to counselors in this world that are not biblical in their counseling. Because human reasoning, human counsel. Divorce of God's Word is almost always disastrous. And so we must settle for nothing but what God wants. Wise counsel in this life is counsel that God wants, and God reveals it in His Word. Most counseling today is superficial or anti-God or anti-Scripture, temporary at best. Harmful and sinful at worst. So we need to admonish each other, actually, against a pragmatic approach in counseling where ends justify means, which is just the problem of so much counseling today. That's why most counselors today do more damage than good. The best counselors are those who rely on the given Jesus, the wonderful counselor, And on His precious, life-saving, life-correcting, life-changing, life-guiding Word of God. That's who Jesus is. He's this wonderful, given, word-based counselor. But secondly, He's also a listening, all-knowing counselor. A listening, all-knowing counselor If you turn with me again to Luke 24, I'd like to just walk you through a few verses there to show you that, Uh, how he draws out his counselees. He joins them, first of all, in their grief. He he walks beside them. And like Mary and the women seeking Jesus on resurrection morning, the travelers to Emmaus don't recognize him. But Jesus opens their hearts. He says, "What, what... What manner of communication are, are these is this that you have one with another, as you walk, in are sad? Jesus reads their body language. He, he can see in their eyes, in their facial appearance, in their demeanor, their pathos, that they're in need. He's not only a, a counselor who sees the external appearance much more. He's, he's that wonderful counselor who can penetrate their hearts. He knows what is in man. He's the all-knowing counselor. John 2.24.25 says, he knows all men and he knows what is in man. He knows Cleopas. He knows his companion, be it his wife or be it another man or friend. He knows they're profoundly sad, disappointed, confused, lonely, despite their companionship. So Jesus has an advantage over any earthly counselor. When we counsel people, we, we yes, we read their body language, we, we hear their words, but there's often things in their heart that they have not yet opened up, and there's, and we can't see into their hearts, but Jesus can, you see. And yet Jesus is a model here for us on how to get people to open up, isn't he? He opens them up right away. What, what, what are you talking about? Why, why, are, you, why are you sad? And Cleopas in his responds with astonishment and says, are, are, Art thou a stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what's going on in these days? They're shocked at his ignorance, supposed ignorance, that is. But he listened, he didn't interrupt, he wasn't offended. He seemed interested. He obviously cared. He said, what things? Verse 19. Even though he knows all things, he still said, what things? He he wants to draw them out, you see. That's what good counseling does initially. And they pour out their hearts, don't they? Verse 20 and 21. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, and, and they go on to talk about him, how he would deliver them from Rome and How He was crucified. And their expectations were cut off. And and Jesus listens and listens and listens. And then they talk about the women who who found the empty sepulcher. And yet, even though it seems so hopeful, they confess at the end of their pouring out of their heart. Verse 24, But Him they saw not. Jesus gets them to open up with everything you see. And they hold nothing back. That's the kind of counselor that he is. I wonder if you know him as that counselor. Do you know what it is to unbosom your heart? To tell the Lord Jesus, as Mary Winslow advised her son Octavius, tell him everything about you as if he knew nothing about you, yet knowing he knows everything about you. That's the way to go to God. You pour out your heart to this wonderful, listening, all knowing counselor. Hold back nothing from this counselor. <laughs> Try to cover up nothing from this counselor. He knows it all anyway. Say, with. Say with David, I own my sin and my transgression before thee, and pour out your sins, your needs, your mysteries, your confusions, your riddles. Keep no secrets from Jesus, for there are no secrets from him anyway. Now, as Cleopas and his friend open up to Jesus, we see both admirable and problematic matters in their thinking. And Jesus works with them in relationship to their problems as their counselor, par excellence. He doesn't simply say to them, well, I am he. But he, he gradually forms room and space, as it were, for himself, one step at a time. He works internally before he manifests himself externally and powerfully. And he models here uh, good counseling. Good counseling, first of all, because he's thorough. He, listening, you know, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes perceptiveness. But he also doesn't minimize, secondly, his counselee's problems. He doesn't say, well, you know, that's nothing, here's the answer, and, you know, go your way. No, he. When you counsel someone, you can't minimize their problems. You've got to, you can't say, well, that's not very bad. You've got to listen, and then you've got to respond with biblical advice. And third, Jesus is watching here for attitudes, for a mindset, you see. You you can just feel by the way he responds. He's opening them up in order to uh, look at their reasoning and to respond. Respond to them with his wisdom. When you counsel someone, that person often has greater emotional needs than you realize at the beginning. And you need to watch for attitudes, for certain words, for for language. Uh, Is the person depressed? Why? Why are you depressed, Cleopas? That's what Jesus is basically asking. And it tumbles out, you see, when counseling is done rightly. Rightly. Well, Jesus here is this listening, all-knowing counselor, but he's also, thirdly, a teaching exemplary counselor, a teaching exemplary counselor. His teaching would use a great variety of approaches, depending on his counselees. Sometimes Jesus used what we call a more behavioristic approach. He would change their behavior, tell somebody to do something, uh, like he did to the rich young man. He told him to go sell everything he had. And the man didn't do it, of course, for he had great possessions. It was sad. He failed to respond rightly to Jesus' imperative to change his behavior. He chose himself and his possessions before Jesus. It's a tragedy. Another approach often used today, is a cognitive counseling form where you you don't first of all deal with changing behavior, knowing that if you change behavior in some people, then they'll actually start changing their thinking. But the opposite, you change their thinking in order to change their behavior. And many times Jesus is using that approach too, isn't he? Often he's talking to his disciples, teaching, teaching, knowing that if he trains the way they think in this three-year seminary he has with them, they will actually change their behavior, begin to act more like him because they've learned to think like him. So thinking God's thoughts after him by the grace of the Holy Spirit can change us. And then there's a third approach today that we call eclectic counseling, which is a variety of approaches coming together, particularly the behavioristic and the cognitive Uh, being brought together. And and Jesus often uses that. In fact, this might be called his, his main approach in hindsight. He's always teaching, and then he's giving imperatives that follow of how they should behave. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. He's teaching, teaching. But also, after he teaches, he tells them to behave, how to behave. So Jesus teaching is powerful because he tells us the way we ought to think, the way we ought to behave, and then he follows it with his own example. And he models it for us himself. He was not like the Pharisees who told their followers what to do but did not walk that way themselves. He combines faithful, wonderful counsel with a godly lifestyle. Just think of John 13, the way he washed the feet of his disciples. He taught them. He washed them. You think that had an impact on them? Tremendous impact. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, here's the imperative. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. What a wise counselor he is. The whole Bible is a revelation, really, of Jesus. Thomas Adams, a Puritan, said, there's scarcely a page where we're not taught about him. Who he is, how he counsels as God's wisdom, and the imperatives he gives, and then how he lived himself. He serves as the best and perfect model for counseling still today. He is a teaching exemplary counselor. But finally, he's a sympathetic, successful counselor. Sympathetic, successful counselor. He's wonderful because he understands. He 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 has sympathy. He's he he came in Bethlehem's manger to understand what it means to live in our bones and in our flesh. He has entered our humanity through the womb of the Virgin Mary. He's entered into a fully authentic human existence. He has become a human being like you and me, yet without sin. The psalmist says He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. It's so comforting, isn't it, to know that Jesus knows what it means to be tired. He knows what it means to weep. He knows what it means to carry burdens and sorrow. He who is our creator, who put you into your mother's womb, he knows our psychology. He knows everything about you. You are unique to him as his creation, but he also knows what it means to walk in the very flesh in which you walk. We are his masterpiece. And we are all different from one another. We're not clones or robots. We don't come off an assembly line. He formed us in our mother's womb unique. But He comes and says, I am the Almighty God, the Transcendent One, but I'm also imminent. I became bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. What a comfort that is. And particularly when we're in deep trial, we've got problems too big for us to answer. And we don't see the end. We don't see the solution. We're overwhelmed. We're crying out to Him. The fact that He understands, the fact that He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, the fact that He knows not just being touched by our infirmities, but being touched with our infirmities, that He's our sympathetic high priest. What a difference that makes in our lives. He knows. Even this moment, dear child of God, what you're going through, and he's been there. Doesn't mean he's, he's gone through every same exact detail of what you're going through. But the essence of it, he knows it. That's, that's true. That's a comforting thing to say to people, don't you think, at times of funerals and They're grieved over the loss of a loved one. And and maybe they think, well, this almighty Savior doesn't understand. But but the, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. And he was graveside, wasn't he? Of Lazarus. And he loved Lazarus. But he also faced death himself. He went through death. He understands, you see. Hebrews 4.15 was an incredible encouragement to me, actually, in my life when I was in for six long years in a very, very deep trial. I just thought there'd be no end to it. I thought there'd be no solution, no hope. I even thought sometimes, maybe in partially self-pity, that no one had ever been through what I was going through. But then these words were spoken to my soul with a tremendous amount of power that he understands, touched with the feeling of our infirmities. My friend, no matter what trial you go through, it is small compared to what Jesus experienced to save his people. No one has ever suffered like him. He understands. What a beautiful thing it is to have a Biblical counselor who understands, but even more, who's successful and has the power to solve the problem, the power to meet all your needs. Unto us the son is born, a, a, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Our counselor is the one who rules and reigns in the affairs of men. And so often when you find yourself in a counseling situation, trying to help someone, you're frustrated that things are outside of your control as much as you feel for the person, as much as you want to help them, you know sometimes you just cannot truly help. But that's not ever true of Jesus Christ. The government of the universe is on His shoulder. There's no problem too complicated, too difficult for Him. No heart that He cannot change. He holds the universe together at this very moment by His own authority. He reigns and He rules over all. Also over His people, for the sake of His church, the government is upon His shoulder. Also today, in the midst of all the confusion and problems in the United States of America, in our churches, in our society, and the policy of that government is that He may give eternal life to as many as the Father has given Him to save. All the resources of his government are committed to that end that he will present every one of us who are true believers saved by faith alone in Christ alone perfect and faultless before his Father's throne in the great day. This counselor is always successful. No possibility of his failing. He's a powerful, successful Wonderful counselor who conquers his clients by his sovereign grace. And so sovereign grace is simply the government of the triune God committed to the salvation of his people. Led by Jesus, the head of the church. The government is upon his shoulders. The policy of that government is your salvation and mine, dear believer. And so Psalm 89, 19 can sum it up beautifully where God says, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. Jesus is the mighty counselor who can solve every tangled mess, who can forgive every tragic sin, who can untangle every confused life. That's the mystery of Bethlehem. That's the mystery of Christmas, the message of the gospel. God has laid amazing help upon our mighty, wonderful counselor. Only Jesus is equal to the task. And so when we look around, maybe you say, when I look around in my own life, it's a mess. I look around at the world, it's a mess. But you see, Jesus never fails. Even when we're in a mess, He can untangle it. He's equal to the task. Because He's a given, word-based counselor. He's a listening, all-knowing counselor. He's a teaching, exemplary counselor. He's a sympathetic, successful counselor. And so God comes to us tonight and says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of Me. I give to all men liberally and braid not, and it shall be given him. But ask in faith, ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. But let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do you lack wisdom? But the things that are spinning out of control in your life, Tonight, perhaps it's your own spiritual life that's grown lukewarm. Perhaps your conscience is desensitized to sin. That's a mess. Or perhaps there's difficulties in your marriage or your family or a wayward child. There's so many things that can create havoc in our lives. Are you taking it to God Are you taking it to this wonderful counselor? Are you hearing the word of God? If I lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Jesus Christ can help. He can help as no one else can help. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before this wonderful counselor. Trust him. Listen to his voice. Do what he says. Obey his imperatives. Search the scriptures. He's open-handed. He's not tight-fisted. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you need. And there may be times when you're overwhelmed with sickness. And you think you're going to die, maybe. Or you just see no end. Or you've been diagnosed with cancer. There's no problem too big for him. He's the wonderful, almighty God-man counselor. Boys and girls, young people, life can be complicated for you too. Go to this counselor. Ask him to help you. Ask him to save you if you are not yet saved. And tell him, I've got sin in my life. I've made a mess of my life. He's not going to sit back and say, oh, really, is that true, and mock you? No, he's not that kind of God. When you admit your lack of wisdom, and you confess, Lord, I have received counsel from thy word before, and I've heard preaching, but I I don't seem to be able to put it into into practice, he's not going to say, well, it serves you right. He's going to say, come to me. If you lack wisdom, come to me. I will help you. I will give to you liberally. I won't upbraid you. This is the gospel. In the gospel, he's this wonderful counselor who basically says this, that when you, by the Spirit's grace, sincerely repent of your sins before God and truly believe in his Son alone for salvation, by the grace of his Spirit, God will not hold your sins against you, but he will help you. He will save you. He'll deliver you. He'll untangle the mess of your lives. When is up to Him. It may be sooner. It may be later. But Psalm, or rather Proverbs 23, 18, puts it this way. There shall surely come an end, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. God will provide. God will bring you through the long, dark tunnel of affliction. God will make things well. Well, come then by faith, come to this wonderful counselor who's altogether lovely. He is He is astonishing. Yes, sometimes he uses earthly biblical counselors. Sometimes he uses an earthly, wise friend who can give you a good counsel. Sometimes he uses the preached word, even tonight, he can use this sermon. He uses the Bible. He uses means. But this wonderful counselor, through the means of his word, one way or another, gives counsel that you must hear and you must obey and you must follow. And as by the grace of God you do so, you will cry out, this Advent cry, unto us, unto me, a child is born, a son is given, and his name is Wonderful Counselor. I trust him, I love him, and I want to follow his ways with my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. Dear friend, when you follow your own way, you'll always end up wrong you always end up getting lost. When you find God's way, you'll always come to the right destination. You know, in many marriages, a man seems to know the directions, and a woman often doesn't. I confess tonight that in my marriage, it's the opposite. If we go a place somewhere in the world and there's 10 different turns. My wife will remember, three years later, that place and she'll take all the turns. She's like, turn here, turn here. Oh, there's that house in the corner. Turn there, turn there. And we arrive, safe. And I'm just a star. How do you remember that, I say? I don't know. I would be lost 10 times along the way. Jesus is a lot better than my, my wife. Sometimes she gets it wrong too, once in a while. But Jesus never gets it wrong. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He'll take you the right way. He'll take you to himself. And all his counsel will lead you to himself, ultimately. And you'll find in him everything you need for this life and a better life to come. You know, one of the things that amazes me about Paul's epistles when he deals with all the churches. In several of the epistles, you know, he deals with their problems. Like 1 Corinthians, he deals with seven series of problems. If you study it, the answer to every single problem is Jesus. He's the answer. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Do you really want a life lived to the glory of God, a truly blessed life in which you can say, "The joy of the Lord is our strength"? Come to this Savior. Live in him, live by him, live unto him, live through him, live out of him. And don't rest until you can say, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain, because I'm in Christ. Everything you need is in this wonderful counselor. Don't look for it other places. The world's pretty empty. It's a mirage. It's a bubble that will burst. But Christ is all and in all. The answer is in Him. He is the answer, and He gives you the answers out of His storehouse, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He will teach you the things concerning Himself. How he suffered, how he died, how he rose again, how he intercedes, how he will come again to fetch you home to himself. He is what you need. Say, farewell, world. Farewell, sin. Farewell, superficiality. Welcome, Jesus, who is substantive, who is glorious, who is beautiful who meets all my needs as my teaching prophet, my sacrificial interceding priest, my ruling and my guiding king? So may this text tonight turn into a song in your heart unto me. A child is born, a son is given, and his name is Wonderful Counselor. Amen. Gracious God, we thank Thee so much for Jesus Christ as our wonderful Counselor, the Friend in whom we confide, the Savior in whose blood we're forgiven, the Lord in whom we find our life and get directions. We thank Thee for Him who's altogether lovely, the Chief among 10,000 who wins our heart woos our affections, stimulates our minds, moves us to amazement over his grace. Who are we, Lord, that we should be given such a wonderful counselor? And he gives his counsel free. He says, come to me just as you are and I will give you life more abundantly. Oh God, help us Help us to be able to say with Peter, Thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Help us to live Christ so as to die gain. And don't lo- allow us, please Lord, don't allow us to go our own way. Don't allow us to seek fulfillment in self. Don't allow us to walk in the world's dull and dreary and pessimistic ways that lead to self-destruction. Lord, help all the young people and children here as well tonight live out of Christ, but also the middle-aged and the seniors. May Christ be our life, our wonderful counselor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.